kind of an expert at this topic, so you probably yeah. didn't need anything from me. Yeah. Yeah, this is, uh, I'll be honest, honest, the last 13 years, man, this is something that I have studied literally every day, you know, every day studying uh, the scriptures and, and looking at the Bible through this lens. So, yeah, there's something I could do in my sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and the reason why I thought it was such a good idea is just being a newer Christian. And, you know, I guess when I, you know, like when Tiff first started bringing me to church, um, mm -hmm. the first intro to to my journey, I guess, is it's been rightly dividing the entire time, right? Yeah. So, like, I don't really, I don't know any other way, but mm -hmm. I know that there's probably, I mean, more more Christians than not that don't practice yeah. rightly dividing, right? And yeah. and yeah, and I and I think it's super important for for you and to for you and everybody else who talks about it, but um, to really get that word out there, right? It is, it is because it we'll we'll see here that it it really is the key to understanding the Bible and unlocking the Bible, and so um, I'm ready when you are, and yeah. Like always, your your feedback and your questions is really good because uh, people watching, they might have the exact same questions or, you know, same type of reasoning. Yeah. And so congratulations yeah. on uh, the YouTube. I, what is it, over 100 people watched? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, watch the other video, the our first, the well, the first one that we really advertised, right? Um, that yeah. episode three, when to take the Bible literally, yeah, 101 views. That's pretty that's good. good. That's, that's good, man. That's good. Yeah, gotta gotta start somewhere. You gotta start somewhere, right? <laughs> well, even if one of those one of those viewers became saved, it was a win. Amen. Right. So, Amen. Um, podcasts are important it. because you know you only have so much time in a day, so there's only a certain amount of podcasts you can watch. So, for 100 people to say, you know what, I'm gonna tune in that's 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 great so praise the lord thank you for your your hard work setting everything up and being well, diligent I, man thank you i appreciate that thank you uh thank you for doing this with me um you know it it's really not a lot of work it's 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 fun but it, i also treat this like i'm in school like this is my hour a week in school. Okay. <laughs> I like school. that. <laughs> so, so like you, that. you teach me a lot. Yeah. Besides going to, to your sermons at church, this is my, I guess this is my, uh, my extra, my extra schooling. So I appreciate it. Praise the Lord. So yeah, man, well, let's get into it. Bible times, right? Yeah, let's do it. Speaking of school, I, I will always consider myself student level because I'm always learning. And I think that's the great thing about the word of God. There's always something to learn. There's always something to apply to your Christian walk. And let me just say this. Like I say, 13 years ago, when I've learned this particular uh, truth, it blessed me spiritually. It blessed my marriage. It, 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 as far as being a, a Christian, it really, really solidified what I believe with no shadow of a doubt 
And without understanding how to rightly divide, the Bible can be very confusing. And it will, listen to me good, it will contradict itself if you don't rightly divide. And so let's get right into it. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Uh, for all of our listeners, if you're going to participate in this podcast and look up the scriptures that we're going to look up, you got to have a King James Version. Because if you don't, it is not going to make sense. <laughs> Let me give you a quick example. If you turn to, uh, let's see here, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Now, here's another tool, Brother Mike. If you go to BibleWay.com, BibleGateway.com, you can look up scriptures, and then you can look at them in different versions, and you can see the difference here. Yep, that's exactly where I'm at right now, trying to follow along. Okay. So now, Second Timothy, Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. And I'm going to pick on the NIV, okay? In my opinion, the NIV is, a, is a, a Bible version that most people use. I've been to many churches, and the pastor, the preacher, they're always using the NIV. Let's show you the difference between the NIV. Now, in the King James Version, it reads this, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. The first word of this verse is study. Study. This is the only scripture where the Bible tells you to study. So you said it's the only Bible? In the Bible. It's, 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 the, it's the only, only version, you said. Yeah, in this version or even in other versions, there's no other passage where it's telling you to study the Bible or study, the, study God's word. And let me just read it. Let me show you the, the comparison. So the, it says here in the King James Version, study to show thyself approved to God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So our topic today is going to be on studying God's word. We'll see here that when you study God's word the way God wants you to study it, you will have God's approval. How important is that, Brother Mike, to have God's approval? Uh, the most important. Most important, amen. Right. Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman. Most people don't want to do this because it requires work. It requires time, a sacrifice of your time. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. See, when you study God's word the way God wants you to study, you have God's approval, you put in the work, you don't have to be ashamed. That word ashamed means to be not fully prepared. It will be a shame for a doctor to not be fully prepared as he's entering uh, to perform a surgery. You want to be fully prepared. A workman that needs not to be ashamed, and then this next part, rightly dividing the word of truth. I would say today in 2023, maybe eight out of 10 Christians have no idea what rightly dividing the word of truth even means. 
Why? Because eight out of 10 Christians, and I'm throwing a number out there, they don't use the King James Version. Let's look at the NIV Version. Look what it says here. Remember, the King James Version, the first word is study. The NIV says, do your best to present yourself to God. <laughs> That's the first part. Do your best. And, and I always ask people, what the heck does that mean? What does do your best have to do anything with study? No, it's, it's kind of an odd translation. <laughs> so it says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Nowhere in there does it say study. Nowhere in there does it says rightly dividing the word of truth. What's your thought on that, Brother Mike? Um, you said the other, the NIV says correctly handling. Correctly handling the word yeah, of truth. Th that part stood out to me. I mean, correctly handling and rightly dividing sound like two different things correctly handling i guess my interpretation of that if i was reading the niv would be just make sure you are getting this word right or you know just read this verse and try to understand this verse rightly dividing is a whole different topic which we're going to talk about today but yeah yep you're right on point you're right on point so square one right off the bat Use the King James Bible. If you speak English, use the King James Bible. It's the most accurate. There's going to be scriptures that uh, other versions, they actually take a lot of scriptures out. If I'm not mistaken, the NIV is 64,000 words less than the King James Bible. A lot of scriptures they simply took out. They're like, mm, we, don't know. we don't like this. We don't agree with this. Let's just remove it. I have done sermons where to show this to people, I've had them turn to Acts chapter 8, verse 37, not there. Mark chapter 16, verse 16, not there. And so rightly dividing, first and foremost, let's have the KJV and we can go from there. So example number one, 2 Timothy 2.15, that's like the foundation of Really understanding the Bible is the key that unlocks the Bible to understand the Bible. First and foremost, you need to be saved. We covered this in that other podcast. You need to be saved. You, have to have, you need to have the spirit of God and the Holy Spirit will give you understanding. This is a spiritual book. But when you are saved and you, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you, if you speak English, you need a KJV Bible because you're gonna to have to rightly divide the word of truth. So the word divide in the dictionary means to separate into parts, groups, or sections. And today, and I'll say this, for our listeners, we, if we got 100 or so, I'm gonna put this on the camera. If you email me at kjv.biblet.time, which is Bible time, kjv.biblet.time at gmail. 
send me your address. I will personally mail this to you. This is a Bible chart that we use at our church. And what you see here, it is a timeline from Genesis to the book of Acts, Romans through Philemon, Hebrews, Revelation. All 66 books can fit on a Bible timeline. That's how we're going to rightly divide. And the three sections, the three divisions, we find in the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Now, Jesus Christ, through Paul, we just read the scripture, 2 Timothy 2.15, where we see that the Bible says, study it, you get God's approval, you put in the work, you, won't, you don't need to be ashamed, you'll be fully prepared. And then it says, rightly dividing. We're going to show you the three basic divisions. And on our chart, the first division is time past. The second one is but now. The third one is ages to come. Okay? The second one, the but now, it was hid. And so you can close the chart. This is how the Bible will look on a timeline without the books that the Apostle Paul wrote, which is called, that, that particular dispensation is called, but now. Another thing, in the King James Bible, the word dispensation, dispensation is used three times in the scripture. Brother Mike, before you came to our church, have you ever used the word dispensation? Can't say that I have. <laughs> I didn't either. And my dad was a pastor. I was in the church my whole life and never did we use the word dispensation, but it's been in the King James Bible since 1611. Another thing about the Bibles, the, the NIV, they have different copyright dates. Yep which means their Bible is always changing. Yep. They're taking out, they're adding in, it's always changing. That can be very confusing. Like uh, uh, in baseball, you have different umpires competing authorities. The King James Bible has been the same. It has not changed. No copyright or the day it was printed in English was, or 1611. Okay, and so translation is important. And if you speak English, the King, the King James Bible, the KJV, is a Bible you can you can trust. So let's get into this three division. Time past, but now ages to come. Listeners, if you can just say this with me. Time past, but now ages to come. That also could be seen as past, present, future. Is that important, Brother Mike, to know yes. past, present, future? Yeah, it's super important. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, is going to give you what time past, what, what, that, what it looks like, what, it, what, what are the requirements? How do you know when you're studying your Bible that you're in time past? First of all, the Bible, 66 books. 39 books Old Testament, 27 books New Testament. 
There's 1,189 chapters in the Bible, in the King James Bible. There's 31,101 verses in the King James Bible. And there's 783,137 words in the King James Bible. It's written by 40 plus authors, and it covers over 1,500 years time span. And so for us to read, you need to rightly divide it. That seems like a lot of work, but it's very simple. Time passed, but now ages to come. Let's read about time past. Go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. Stop me anytime, Brother Mike, okay? Yeah. Here we go. Time past. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past, Gentiles in the flesh. So that phrase, time past, comes directly out of the King James Bible, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11 where he says, remember that ye being in time past, Gentiles in the flesh. We use the expression today, Jews and Gentiles. We're all human beings, but there was two distinction groups. Okay, two separate groups. Who are called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision. Gentiles are uncircumcised. The Jews were circumcised. For our listeners who don't know what circumcision means, you can Google it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's but a whole different podcast. But basically, it is the cutting off the foreskin of the male's penis. Okay. Back in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter, I believe, 17. God told Abraham to do this. It was a token of the covenant that he had with Abraham. Abraham was God's first called out servant after the Tower of Babel. And so uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands. Verse 12, that at that time, remember our Bible chart is a timeline. It is a timeline that at that time ye were without Christ. According to the Bible, Jesus Christ, he came into the world in the Old Testament. Okay, there was a time where uh, the Gentiles, and even when he was on the earth, they were without him. He tells you in the book of Matthew that he came to uh, restore the nation of Israel, the lost sheep of Israel. He did not come to restore the, the, the Gentiles. That you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Israel, God's chosen people. The, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So in our Bible from Genesis to the book of Acts, there is a clear distinction between the Jews, the nation of, the nation of Israel, the Hebrew people. They had the law, they had an advantage over the Gentiles, the, the nation of Israel, the, the, the Jews, when God was delivering them from Pharaoh out of Egypt, God fought for them, David, 
Uh, do you know the story of David and Goliath? David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defied the armies of the living God? David knew that he was in covenant with God and God will fight for Israel. All through the scripture, from Genesis all up into the book of Acts, you see a clear advantage that the Jews had over the Gentiles. And there was a middle wall of partition put up. Jesus Christ, Jewish, came through that Abrahamic, Davidic line. There's no scripture that we read was not written by Jewish hand. Okay, so they had an advantage. The Gentiles did not. They were without Christ. They were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. We thank God that this dispensation, this time period did not last forever. We'll see that something changed. We'll get into that in a few minutes here. Questions or comments on time past, the two scriptures that basically describes that can let you know when you're in time past studying your Bible. Um, I just got a quick question, um, and I'm sure others are thinking the same thing. Can you just explain like what a Gentile is? A Gentile is a person who is not Jewish. Okay. They don't have the laws of God. They're not circumcised. They're basically like heathen or pagan. They don't have an understanding of God or, or God's laws, God's ways. It's really just like they're, they're doing their own thing. But the Jews were God's chosen people, and he made a covenant with Abraham. And through the years, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob's name was changed to Israel, now in the nation of Israel, the Jews, you know, and today it's the mixed, the, the races have been mixed so much uh, physically, you know, who, how do we know who is a Jew, who's not? I, I'll never get in that driver's seat and say who the Jews are, what they look like. The Bible tells us that when Christ comes back, he's going to gather Israel. He's going to fulfill his promise with them living in that 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 holy land that he promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Did I answer your question? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so there's many scriptures where Jews and Gentiles, even Jesus Christ, maybe I should share this one here. Let's go to, uh, go to Matthew, let's go to Matthew chapter 10. Most churches would never teach you this. They'll never cover it. But this is Bible times, and we're talking about the topic, rightly dividing the word of truth. The whole Bible is truth. But there are divisions that we need to make clear or understand. And when I use that word dispensation, I said earlier it's used three times in the Bible. The word dispensation simply means when God gives out a sudden, I'm sorry, when God gives out a set of rules to a certain group of people, which covers a certain time period. That's what the word dispensation means. Another word that's very similar to dispensation is administration. Here in America, a president runs for 
a four-year term. And during that four-year term, his administration, they have policies and laws that rule the land, which covers a four-year term. And so if I say Reaganomics, if I say uh, the New Deal, we know what time period those laws or that administration, when those laws were in effect. Because over time, things change, right? And so God doesn't change, but the way he deals with humanity has changed. And we can see it in scripture. So let me give you this quick one about Jesus being in time past and Gentiles being having no hope, you know, strangers from the covenant without God. So if you look at Matthew chapter 10, look what he says here, verse five and six. He says to his disciples, these 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them saying, go not into the way of the Gentiles and enter and, and into and into any city of Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. We see Jesus commanded his disciples, don't even go to the Gentiles, go to the Jews, basically. Uh, Matthew chapter 15 is another one. I really like this one because it really pinpoints that Jesus Christ really came and he actually tells you, quote unquote, he came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So Matthew chapter 15, we'll start at verse 22. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. So here a woman from Canaan, she was a Gentile woman. She comes running out, crying out to the Lord saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. So her daughter's possessed. And you would want to come to Jesus, right? If he was on the earth, you got a daughter that's possessed by a devil. Jesus is the right guy to run to, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look what he says here, verse 23. But he answered her not a word. What does that mean, Brother Mike? I believe it's he did not say anything. He did he kept quiet. He ignored right? her. He ignored, he ignored her. her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She came running out. She came running out. She cried out unto him, asking him to, you know, to help. Her daughter's grievously vexed with the devil, but he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. They're not trying to help her. She's a Gentile woman. Look what he says in verse 24. It gets worse. <laughs> but he answered her, but he answered and said, okay, he's going to say something. First he ignored her, now he's going to say something. I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Basically, woman, I really can't. I'm sent to Israel, not to the Gentiles. So, Pastor then, Jim. Huh? Just to put into perspective, if we were living in that time, we're not Jewish. 
So basically, Jesus at that time would have walked by us and said, I can't help you. So if me, you or I had a problem, like our family was possessed or something going on, we were injured, we couldn't walk. Mm-hmm. He would walk by us and say, I, I can't help you. He would ignore us unless, in my opinion, we did what this woman's going to do because he's going to change his perception based on her faith. But most Gentiles did not have faith. And that's what he's going to say here. And so while we're on this topic, faith is the only response that God will uh, accept or God's grace will accept. But so that was a new, that, hmm? sorry, that that was a new concept, right? Then nobody knew that really. It was starting to change maybe? Well, back then the law was for Jews to not accompany, mingle with Gentiles. The distinction or, or when things became unrestricted was when we're going to talk about next in the but now, today's dispensation, which we live now. So we live in a dispensation, a different one today. But back then, we're reading here, he ignored this Gentile woman. On top of this, to our listeners, find me a scripture outside of this one and another one where Jesus is talking to and having interactions with a Gentile. There's only two scriptures where Jesus, during his earthly ministry, is talking directly to a Gentile. It's this one and also the Roman satyrian army guy where he wanted Jesus to, to uh, heal his, his daughter as well. But he was like, you know, you don't have to come to my house. Just say the word and it will be done. Both of them were Gentiles. Those are the only two examples where Jesus even interacts with Jews, which backs up his statement that he just, we just read in 24. I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. That's verse 25. Brother Mike, if we did what she did, I think we might get the same results, but I can't say it's for for certain. But she said, Lord, she worshiped, and she said, Lord, help me. 26, but he answered and said, watch this. It is not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to the dogs. He said, it is not right for me to take the children's bread, the nation of Israel. Those were God's chosen, called out people to take their bread and to cast it to dogs. The the word of God, the advantage that they had. It's not right to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. In the Bible, dogs represent Gentiles. I have a dog. I love my dog. But dogs are nasty. (laughs) They'll eat whatever. Some dogs eat their own vomit. And that was, there's scriptures that talks about how Gentiles, they were without God, they're just pagan and, 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 and heathen, just without hope. No direction, no truth, no light in darkness. Verse 27, 
And she said, Lord, truth. So the statement that he just made in 26, he says, not me to take the children's bread and to cast it to the dogs, which are the Gentiles. And she agreed with him. She said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. What is she saying about the Gentiles and the Jews? Why does she use that word fall? I don't know why she uses the word fall, but I, I interpret it as she, you know, she's saying you are right, Jesus, you're right. But, um, you know, there are some of us that are still around to, to be there, to, yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. I'm, I'm trying to come up with something and nothing happens. Well, well, <laughs> well I'll put you on the spot, but look at our chart here. The Jews were up here. The Gentiles were down here. Okay. And there was a middle wall separating the two. Okay. And so Jews, they had an advantage. They had the word of God, they had the law of God. So they were considered part of the master's table. Gentiles were beneath. But she said at least the crumbs which fall from the master's table. So she acknowledged that the, that the, the Jews were the chosen they were the, the children's, you know, but she's saying that it can fall down to them. 28, then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as it wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. So it was her faith that got Jesus to go against that particular dispensation, time passed. Time passed, it was the law, the law of Moses. And the law of Moses basically said, do not associate with Gentiles. And out of Jesus' own mouth, quote unquote, he knew he was not sent to the Gentiles. He was sent to the nation of Israel. Next section, rightly dividing the scripture. The but now, here's the good news. But now, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. It reads, but now, and that's what we do. We took the phrase from the scripture and we put it on our Bible chart. Now, this is the but now section. Do you see it? It's yellow. You see that yellow section there? Yep, I this see it. This is the section where the apostle Paul we see here that he is saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. He, his name was Saul. He was on his way to Damascus, and the Lord Jesus Christ saved him. It was a, you know, I wish we had time to get into that. We'll do a separate podcast on that encounter. But he saves Paul. Paul becomes his apostle, and he goes on to write 13 books of the Bible more than any other writer. And so verse two, verse 13, it says, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. So those same Gentiles, remember how I said it was, they were far off without hope, without hope, without Christ in the world. But now, currently, as we speak, after the cross, 
ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh. Made nigh means brought close to by the blood of Christ, his shed blood at Calvary. 14, for he is our peace who hath made both one, that was Jew and Gentiles, because of the cross, he can now bring the two together and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Today, you and I, we live in a dispensation of grace. That middle wall of partition that was between Jew and Gentile, that has been broken down because of Jesus, because of his shed blood, we can go directly to God. Questions, comments on this section, this second division, but now. How long after, in, do you think on the timeline, did that happen? So, so Jesus was, was crucified on the cross. Great question. And then there was, and then there was time in between that and then when the dispensation of grace started, correct? Correct. About a year. Let me show you that. Go to, go to the book of Acts. Um, if you go to Acts 28, 28, here's where in Scripture we see that Israel messed up after they stoned Stephen. And we see that the salvation of God is now going to go to the Gentiles. So great question. And I will say the book of Acts is the book before Romans, before Paul wrote it. And it's beautifully the way God designed this Bible to be laid out in the canon of Scripture. Acts 28, 28 reads, Be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles and that they will hear it. Doesn't that sound like a transitional statement? Yeah, very much so. And then if and you so go on the chart, it shows Acts is at the end of, it's right, it's right before the dispensation of grace is starting. So that's kind of, that's kind of like the starting point, right? You got it. Yep. You got it. And then Acts chapter 9, verse 15 is where Jesus Christ actually saves the apostle Paul and gives him this new dispensation or this new revelation. Let's turn it out real quick. So we say mid-Acts is where it, Paul first began to, where Christ first saves him. And you can see, if you study Acts chapter 9 all the way to 28, you'll see Paul getting more and more revelation. He begins to talk more about what Christ gave him. And by the time you get to uh, Acts, I believe, 26, he knows that he has the dispensation of the grace of God. He knows it. He actually says it. But here's the first encounter. Acts chapter 9, verse 15. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Uh, let me go back a little further. Paul talks about his experience. Uh, Acts chapter 9, if you look at verse 4, and he fell to the earth. Jesus Christ from heaven shines his bright light. Uh, let me go to verse 3. Instead of me paraphrasing, let's just read it. Acts chapter 9, verse 3. And as he journeyed, 
he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined around about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? So Saul at that time was a persecutor of the Christian church. <laughs> and Jesus here interrupts, he stops him, and he says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? When you do something to a Christian, you're really doing it to Jesus Christ. Other religions talk about a bright light from heaven or an angel. We here in Christianity, we have not just a bright light from heaven, but the words of Jesus Christ saving the apostle Paul, the one who wrote more books of the Bible than any other writer. Verse five, and he says, who art thou, Lord? That's what Paul says. Who, 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 who is this bright light? Who, who are you? Then he says, Lord, question mark. Remember, he's persecuting the Christians at this time because they believe in the Lord Jesus. The last name that Paul wants to hear answer his question, who are you? The last word he want to hear is Jesus. Because up until now, he's killing those who believe in Jesus. So he says, who art thou, Lord? And he said, and the Lord said, I am Jesus, <laughs> whom thou persecuteth. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling, astonished, and said, Lord, what would thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. So that was the beginning of the saving of Paul and Christ giving him this new dispensation, this new revelation, and sending him out. Uh, go to real quick to Ephesians chapter 3. Man, it's amazing how time just gets away from us. Number 1, 1 through 8. This is a very good scripture to memorize. So now we're talking about the dispensation of grace, the but now section of our chart, the mystery of Christ. Mystery is opposite of prophecy, right? Yeah. All right, so here we go. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word. This revelation was given to the apostle Paul. Paul is writing it down. He's given to us, the Gentiles, or uh, the body of Christ today. Verse 3, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. As I wrote a four and few words, watch this. What about this mystery? Whereby, when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. We said earlier, study to show thyself approved to God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. When we read, when we study, Paul says here, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Verse five, which in other ages was not made known 
unto the sons of men. That's why our chart, you can close it because this dispensation of grace was not made known. It was a secret. It was hid in God. In which, in which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles, remember how we read in time past, the Gentiles were aliens, having no hope without yeah, dogs, the world? Right? Huh? Yeah, dogs, right? Yeah, Hello. dogs. But now in this in this dispensation, the dispensation of grace, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. <laughs> In time past, it said they were, they did not have the, uh, uh, without covenants, strangers from the covenants. The commonwealth of Israel, they, they were, they didn't have any covenants, but now they are fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. In time past, they didn't have the promises, but because of Jesus, now Gentiles can be fellow heirs of the same body, partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospels. Verse seven, whereof I am made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his, of his power. Paul was made a minister to get this message out and to administer, to give it out in the dispensation of grace. Now here's, now look at number eight here. Unto me, it wasn't to Peter, it wasn't to James, it wasn't unto Paul. He says, unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Brother Mike, why does he call it unsearchable? Because it has to be, I'm just speculating here, but it's unsearchable. It, you have to, it's it's not a physical thing that you search for, right? It's it's you have to ask for for Christ, right? And then you get all the riches. Does that make sense? It's not it's not a works. You can't find a physical thing. Well, no. it's unsearchable <laughs> because it's such a new program. Nobody knew about it, but God, and God didn't reveal it until He gave it to Paul. Here, let me let me uh, let me say this really quick. If those who are listening, write these two scriptures down: Acts chapter three twenty one, Romans chapter sixteen twenty five. When you compare these two, it should really open your eyes as to how this dispensation of grace was a secret, but now it's not a secret. Okay, so Acts three twenty one. And Mike, brother Mike, give me your feedback because I these this is this really should open up the understanding. So Acts 321, Acts 321 says, Whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things. There's gonna come a time where God's gonna resolve all things. 
which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. That's the major thing, since the world began. On our timeline, God spoke through his prophets all the way back from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, you, you name it. All the way up until the apostle Paul, God was speaking through his prophets since the world began. But if you go to Romans 16, 25, we're going to see here that even though God was speaking through his prophets, there was something that was kept secret since the world began. Romans 16, 25, and it reads, Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul, he uses the word my gospel because there are, diff there are different gospels in the Bible. There's a gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of circumcision, the gospel of uncircumcision, the gospel of grace. So Paul says, when he says my gospel, his gospel is different than the rest. Let me reread that, Romans 16, 25. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. The Jesus that we just talked about and read about in Matthew, that was Jesus Christ according to prophecy. Paul's revelation is about Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, watch this, which was kept secret since the world began. So if this revelation that Jesus gave to Paul was kept secret since the world began, did all those prophets know about it? No. 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 They did not. And that's why you have to rightly divide or else you will be confused because you'll be studying books that those prophets did not know. Watch this. Go, uh, go to go to uh, go to First Corinthians chapter two. Watch this, readers, uh, listeners. I, I hope you're with us. Look at how powerful this is. First Corinthians chapter two. If you go to verse eight, what happened here is God pulled a fast one on the devil. Satan, Lucifer, Satan, now he's a very uh, powerful human being that God created. So what God did was he withheld information that the devil did not know in real time. Let me show you what I'm talking about. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, if you look at verse 8, which none of the princes of this world knew. The princes of the world, those are the fallen angels. They did not, well, go, it'll make more sense here. Go to verse 6. Verse 6. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world, 
that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Brother Mike, if the angels, Satan and his angels would have known that if they crucified Jesus on the cross, what God was going to do afterwards, they would have never crucified. But they thought they were winning when Jesus Christ laid down his life and died on the cross. They're like, we got him. Stupid fools. <laughs> they fell right into the trap. Yep. Now, because Jesus Christ died on the cross, he shed his blood, his death, burial, and resurrection. Now God can save sinners by grace through faith. No works at all because Jesus Christ accomplished all the works. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Ephesians chapter three, go back there real quick. Um, I had a, a guy who uh, was playing, uh, I used to do a Bible study at the U of M and I started sharing this toward when I started to learn it. And he said, well, why, why is it such a secret? Why did God hold this secret? What, 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 you know, what, what was the purpose for God holding in secret? Well, we just read that if Satan would have known, he would have never crucified Jesus. And therefore, our sins would, you know, wouldn't be dealt with. But Ephesians chapter 3, look at verse 9. It reads, And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world have been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. This dispensation of grace, this but now, this mystery it was hid in God, and God kept it secret until he revealed it to the Apostle Paul. With that being said, we're closing here with the but now. With the but now, Romans through Philemon, we have our three Ds, the doctrine, our duty, our destination, our final destination. We know what God requires when it comes to salvation. God can save sinners by grace through faith. The good news of the cross, Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried, rose again for all of our sins, past, present, and future. And today we, we live a life of, of, we still do good works, but it's after we get saved. We don't do good works to get saved or to stay saved. It's a response to what Jesus Christ did for us. The third division, ages to come. Ages to come, to recap, we said time passed, but now, ages to come, God wants you to know the past, present, future. Don't make the mistake of being out of the wrong, in the wrong dispensation. It's like going to the wrong mailbox. <laughs> <laughs> Our mailbox today is the but now, the dispensation of grace, this mystery program, Romans through Philemon. In fact, God's going to judge us off of Paul's 13 books. How do I know that? Hold your hand here. Go to Romans 2.16. 
Romans 2.16. To our listeners, I hope you see what we see, and I hope that you will eventually because it's not about us. It's about the word of God. And guess what? We can know what your judgment will be about. Your judgment is going to be based on the revelation that Jesus Christ gave to Paul, Romans through Philemon. Paul calls it my gospel. Romans 2.16. In the day, there's going to come a day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Okay, so this is very important. Now, we're, we're ending on ages to come. This is the future. This is the future from now. These books are Hebrews to Revelation. Let's do a short recap. Time passed. Genesis to the book of Acts. Mid-Acts. But now, Romans through Philemon. Ages to come. Hebrews to Revelation, all 66 books, and you know how to rightly divide. Ephesians 2, 7 says that in the day, I'm sorry, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. That is the ages to come. God's going to be showing his grace. He's in heaven. He's going to just be pouring out his grace and his kindness toward us through Jesus. Also look at Ephesians chapter one, verse number 10. Ephesians 1, 10, that in the, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, you see ages to come is the fullness of times he might gather together in all in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. At the end, he's going to bring both the things that are heaven, the body of Christ, we're going to reign in the heavenly places, the nation of Israel, we're going to reign on the earth. They're going to be both together, the family of God in Christ. One other thing, ages to come. These are books, Hebrews through Revelation. It has nothing to do with us believers today because according to the way the Bible's laid out, we will be in heaven. There's no mention of the body of Christ. There's no mention of the apostle Paul outside of, Paul, outside of Peter talking about Paul. There's no more instructions to the body of Christ. We're not on the earth anymore. How do I know that? Well, let's take James. That's, that's a book in the future, ages to come. They tell you who they're writing to, the book of James. James chapter one, verse one. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting James is writing to the 12 tribes of Israel. He's not writing to the body of Christ. Uh, the book of Hebrews. Now, <laughs> all of Paul's books, Romans through Philemon, 13 books in a row, 
the first word of each book is Paul. After Paul's last book, Philemon, the next book is Hebrews. What's the first word of the book of Hebrews? It's God. So in scripture, after the book of Acts, Romans through Philemon, 13 books in a word, Paul, 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 Paul. And then you get to Hebrews, the first word is God. And then what's after Hebrews? James. James writing to the 12 tribes of Israel. What's after James? Peter. Let's see who Peter's writing to. Peter. First uh, Peter chapter 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Capatitia, if I'm saying it right, Asia, and Bithynia. Peter's writing to the strangers that are scattered. That's Israel. That's the nation of Israel. They're scattered. They're not, they're scattered because you'll see in our chart after the rapture, the Antichrist is there. And Jesus gave clear instructions. When you see the Antichrist there, he says, flee, get out of there. Flee to the mountains. And so Hebrews to Revelation it's about the nation of Israel. It's not about the body of Christ. We are in heaven at that time. And so therefore we study the whole Bible. The whole Bible is for us, but what Paul wrote, those 13 books are directly to us and about us for our obedience. Last scripture, and I gotta go. If you look at uh, Romans chapter 15, and I always get this question, so I always make sure I have, I have to read this. Uh, Romans chapter 15, if you look at verse 4, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Some scriptures are written for our learning. Some scriptures are written for our obedience. Questions, comments? So with that said, so written, you said, you know, some are written for our obedience. That doesn't mean that someone goes in the in the old Testament reads about the 10 commandments and says, we have to abide by that. Right. And I'm kind of just talking, I'm trying to bring it back around to um, kind of layman's terms in case someone's confused about this rightly dividing. So, yeah. you know, it's our obedience. We're not, it, it, it's not like we have to follow the 10 commandments. That's old stuff, right? We don't have to do that. I'll, I'll we put may, it this way. Those commandments were perfect. They were holy. They were righteous. But they had a certain purpose. The purpose of those commandments, which was the law, was to bring us to Christ. It was to point out that we were sinners and that we were guilty. It condemned us. It condemned us. It worketh wrath. It gave us the knowledge of sin. But the law could never save us. 
And God never intended for us to live under the law. So to answer your question, Romans chapter 10, verse four says, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. If you're trying to keep the law for righteousness, you're doing the wrong thing. Back then, you kept the law for righteousness. But today, if you're saved, Jesus Christ is your righteousness. If you're trying to get righteous outside of Jesus Christ, now his death was in vain and you're slapping God in the face. Look here, uh, Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. There's something that changed. We are no longer under the law anymore. Don't take my word for it. Let's read it. Verse 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. So just because we're not under the law doesn't mean that we are just to sin and live a life of disobedience to the law. That same chapter, Romans 6, chapter 1 says, what should we say then? Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So that is not the, I, that's not the big idea. Why get saved if you still want to live in sin? And so the law, we're no longer under it. We just read that you are not under the law. You're now under grace. So this new Christian lifestyle in the dispensation of grace, you really have to read and study to know what the doctrine is. And that's what we do at our church. That's the purpose of this podcast, to learn and to study, to know how we live and what our responsibilities are. The three Ds, doctrine, our duties, our destination. And that, my friend, that's rightly divided into scriptures. Always ask the question, who wrote the scripture? When did they write it? Who were they writing to? And what was the message? I've given you examples of Matthew, John, uh, James, Paul's books, this Bible chart, any scripture you give me, I'll be able to line it up on the chart and I'll know if it's time past, but now ages to come. Some scripture is for our learning and some are for our obedience. I'm glad we did this one because um, I think it's, it's like the perfect starting point or building block for someone on their journey. Mm -hmm. um, on their, on their Christian journey. Right. And it really helps somebody uh, maybe say where they want to start in the Bible. Right. Because it's, it, maybe it's not the best thing to start from beginning to end because someone can get super overwhelmed. Right. Mm -hmm. um, if you did from beginning to end, by the time you get to Paul's 13 books, you will see a huge difference. <laughs> yeah. You'll yeah. say, uh Oh, something's changed. Not yeah. under the law. What? 
Well, and if someone doesn't understand that you rightly divide, like you said, everything seems like it's contradicting itself. I think we were in Ephesians. Um, it was it was one through eight, and when you were reading, I was looking at them, and I was thinking, if you didn't rightly divide, this contradicts time past. This contradicts the Old Testament. So yeah. someone reading that would be like, well, this doesn't make sense. And then that's when people start to discredit the Bible. They're like, mm-hmm. well, look, it contradicts itself. Why would I listen to a book that contradicts itself? And then yeah. they just go, ah, there, you know, there's no such thing as confusion. It's Christianity. And it's, yeah. So, yeah. no, I think. And, and, not, and not just confusion, Brother Mike. I am I opinion, one of the biggest top dog reasons to rightly divide is to get what God is doing today. There's a scripture where Jesus says in time past, if you don't forgive those who have wronged you, God's not going to forgive you. That was in that time past system. That was to the Jews. They knew who God was. And so that's what he said at that time. Today, a lost sinner, a person who's dead in their sins, they might not be ready to forgive a person who raped them or whatever. Today, it's no works for forgiveness. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, we're saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. There's no works requirement. Romans 4, uh, uh, 4 verse 5, to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So we have to be, we have to rightly divide because we want to do it God's way for today. Well, and real quick, I know, I know you got to go, but if you can just tell everybody real quick. So why is it that in the old, in times past, we saw, or they saw miracles and they saw Jesus perform miracles and everything? Because everyone today is looking for, well, if, you know, I haven't seen any proof of God. I haven't seen any proof of this. There's mm-hmm. no miracles. There's no magic. That's why, you know, that, that that's why the Bible is 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 rubbish, right? It's it's all made up fairy tales. That's what people say. What do you mm-hmm. have to say to to those people? Uh, that's a very good question. We deal with that all the time. If you look at uh, Romans chapter eleven, it's going to talk about the fall of Israel and a diminishing the diminishing of their program and and what it, it, it will take place in the kingdom. But today they had a fall and the diminishing of that privilege. Even Paul, he could heal before, you know, he, he had the healing power. He had a handkerchief. If he touched the handkerchief and you touched it, you were healed, but that diminished away. Let me show you the scripture here. Uh, let's see here. So Romans chapter 11. If you look at verse 12, now if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them, the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. So there was a fall of Israel's privileged position and it was a diminishing. Okay. Uh, another one, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, is gonna, he's going to tell you how things change. It changed over time. That, that's why it's so important to rightly divide. 
1 Corinthians chapter 13. Look what he says here for the sake of time. Charity suffereth long and it is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. Charity is not puffed up. Uh, let me see what I, what I wanted to. Verse 8. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child. I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then I shall know even as I am known. Now abideth, <laughs> he's saying now in the but now, and now abideth faith, hope, and charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. It was a transition, transitional thing, those supernatural things they, they diminished away as God got further into the dispensation of grace. Today, it's not about what we see. We walk by faith, faith and not by sight. Sight. Yep. Yeah. I see. I'm getting it. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I'm getting it. <laughs> All right. I, so I know you got to go. Over time, those, those things diminished. And so what was what's left today, and I love it how he put it, and he says, and now abideth faith, hope, and charity. Those three are still in effect in the dispensation of grace. The tongues and the prophecies and the healings and all those wonderful things that make people go, ooh, ah. Yeah. Those things diminished away. And Paul himself, he couldn't even heal anymore. Yeah. There's yeah. a scripture where I he know said you got he left one of his dear friends. He said he left them sick. He couldn't heal them anymore. Yeah. And I, I know you got to go here. But so back, back, or now in the future, with the, after the rapture and ages to come, that stuff comes back, right? It does come back in the kingdom. In the kingdom. In the kingdom. And those things were a preview. When he said the kingdom is at hand, the king was on the was on the earth. So they could Peter walked on water. They they could heal uh the sick. They can raise the dead. Even Paul raised the dead before a guy fell out of a building, broke his neck. Paul raised him to life. But over time, those things diminished away. But like you said, when we get into that after the rapture. After the seven-year uh, tribulation period, in the kingdom, oh, man, it's full, fully on display. Fully on display. But we won't be even here for Israel, it. They don't even it. have sin anymore. God removes their sin and ungodliness. But we won't see it, right? The believers won't. We'll be in heaven. We'll be a part of it. We'll be looking down. We'll be reigning in the heavenly yeah. places. Yeah, but we just read that he was going to bring both together in him. Okay, heaven and earth. Yeah, will be a part of it. But they'll 
our final destination is in the heavenly places reigning in Christ. So the doctrine we learn here today, we will utilize it reigning with Christ in those positions and ranks and authorities. I think that's a whole nother podcast to uh, to do just like from the rapture on. I think that's a whole, <laughs> I think that's a whole thing too. So, okay. All right. Pastor Jim. Awesome. Good talk today. Um, I didn't have a whole lot to say. Just you're, it, it's so, it, it's so interesting to me that I just wanted to sit here and be a student. <laughs> okay. You got good stuff. Lord, man. Man. Really good stuff. So, uh, any um, questions from our listeners, feel free to email me or, or brother Mike. My email is kjv.bibletime at gmail.com. Yep. Mine is, oh boy, now you put me on the spot again. I believe it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's my air here. I'll have it at the end. I'll, I'll, I'll okay. throw, I'll throw them in on, uh, with my awesome editing skills. I'll put them in at the end so people can okay. see it. So All awesome. Right. Do you want to, you want to end in quick prayer? Do you got time? Quick prayer. Here we go. Quick. Quick. I apologize quick. for going over. Heavenly Father. We thank you for yet another opportunity to share your word, to study your word, to write to divide your word, to apply it to our Christian walk. If there's anyone listening, Lord God, I pray that they take this seriously and do their due diligence and search these scriptures and pray on it. And, and your Holy Spirit will get the truth to them. And Lord, if they have any questions, they can reach myself and Mike. We're here to uh, help get into the word of God, to study it and to give the, the scriptures that have the final authority. Lord, we thank you for what your son did for us on the cross. We'll never take it lightly. We'll never live that down. His death, burial, and resurrection, that's what saves our souls. We were brought back into right relationship with you. We are reconciled, redeemed by Jesus Christ back to you. And what life is such an awesome way to live life with you through the ups and downs, we know that we have a Savior. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. We thank you. And we all said together, amen. 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 Awesome. Love you all. Thank you. Got a road. Yeah. Have a good day at work. See ya. All right. <laughs> <laughs>